This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode, we're bringing you another huddle from our sister publication, Adventure Park Insider. These huddles are an effort to share challenges, ideas, and resources in the current pandemic crisis about how and when we might be able to reopen our summer adventure parks. In that vein, we gathered operators on Thursday, April 23rd to discuss planning for opening in uncertain times. As stay-at-home requirements begin to ease up, some operations may be able to reopen. It's going to look different though, and your customers may be nervous, cautious, and concerned. What does that mean for your offerings, both recreational and the supporting guest services, and for your brand? We'll pass it off to Sam and Adventure Park Insider publisher, Olivia Rowan. Thank you all for joining us today for our third Adventure Park Insider Huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of API Magazine, and uh, co-hosts today are going to be Paul Cummings and Stephanie Seville of Strategic Ventures. Paul and Stephanie are going to help lead our conversation today, and they'll um, be doing a little Q&A with our virtual panel of operators and suppliers, and we'll introduce them as we go along. Uh, Paul Talner from High Peaks Group um, will also be helping to facilitate the call. Paul is a leadership coach and a team effectiveness expert and a frequent contributor to API Magazine. Today's topic is going to be opening in uncertain times. Um, seems to be our topic every week, so and it will be for the foreseeable future. But um, we'll talk about what your operation needs to be ready to open. And as we've learned, um, the landscape changes weekly. So in everything you hear today, be ready to adapt for more changes and challenges down the road. It is just simply part of our new reality. So um, with that, we're going to start with ACCT Executive Director Sean Tierney. He's here to uh, share a little bit with us about um, what he is doing with his team to navigate us through this crisis. Sean? Awesome. Thank you so much, Olivia. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining the call. I hope you're all uh, staying safe and healthy wherever you are. Um, I also want to um, really once again thank API for hosting these calls. It's a great way to come together, share ideas, hear what other people are doing, and to figure out some uh, solutions moving forward to a very challenging situation. I think we are at that stage since today is the uh, focus, uh, opening in uncertain times. Um, I want to remind folks a couple of things that we're doing. Uh, we published a uh, article last week called Someday We Are Going to Reopen, which provides some really good, uh, what I call recommendations, considerations really, uh, as a starting point. And I'll provide the link uh, of where to find that article on our website. Also want to mention something um, we just started called Motivation Monday, started by our um, Heather Brooks, where we take a moment every Monday to honor individuals from around our industry, around the globe, who are helping in their communities or those who are just finding ways to stay positive, creative during this challenging time. So last week's call, which I was not able to attend, but I did listen to the podcast. So again, great job API for recording these and providing that afterward for people to listen to. Um, But uh, that was focused on operating in the new normal. And on that call, three areas were identified for further development, dialogue, collaboration, equipment and amenities, training protocols, and guest and staff protocols. 
no doubt that will evolve into other considerations and guidelines. Uh, Tom Leahy, who was on that call, uh, reached out to ACCT and asked if we can help support that effort um, with some just uh, administrative resources and some, some time. Uh, it was really on that call uh, last week. Um, people were interested in being involved in discussion groups, breakout groups, kind of looking at uh, initially those three areas. So uh, thank you, Tom, for having some energy and motivation around getting that going. It's a collaborative effort. It's not just ACCT, it's API, it's folks on these calls, folks like Tom Leahy. Uh, on our staff side, our policy director, Scott Andrews, is gonna coordinate with Tom and just keep this initiative uh, moving forward and uh, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Scott for just a really quick update right now on how we're kind of moving that initiative forward and some thoughts on that. And then we want to kind of get to the rest of the call, which I know everybody's anxious to get to. So I'm going to turn it over to Scott Andrews. He'll give an update on that initiative. Hey, folks. We're going to do four calls tomorrow, which people can join any or all of those calls. First call is going to be about legal. What information do you need from your lawyer or from the authority having jurisdiction? And what questions do we need to be asking about those legal matters? The second meeting will be training um, your staff to reopen and work in a new normal. What questions do we need to answer? And uh, what kind of information do we need? The third is what, how are we gonna need to adapt our operations? And the fourth is what are we gonna have to do with our facilities? We want people to know that Getting all the questions together is a really important step in being able to figure out how all of us in different kinds of operations figure out how to do what we do in this new world. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. So now on to our topic, opening in uncertain times. We don't know when the stay-at-home restrictions will ease, but they will. And when they do, we'll have a lot of what-ifs to sort through. So we're going to try and explore some of those today um, with a, a really great group of operators. I'm excited to hear from them today. So we're going to kick off this segment um, with Paul and Stephanie, who are going to share just some overarching insights um, on our topic. And then we'll pose the questions to our virtual panel. All right, I'll kick it off. Um, I was reminded of a uh, really interesting quote that seems really applicable at this particular time. It's from Mike Tyson. Some of you might know this. And it's, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I think it's safe to say a lot of us feel like we've been punched in the mouth uh, this season. Uh, it makes me also think that, you know, many of us will have one plan for when we reopen and are making headway towards that, but there's also many different eventualities that could happen as we go forward, and we need to plan for each of those. Uh, I always like to have at least three plans. Um, in this particular situation, we could have a plan where we open May 1st, and we're able to open full steam. How do we staff for that? How do we get all our PPE equipment and cleaning supplies for that? Um, another might be, I'm gonna open July 1st with half staff. What does that look like? Who do I bring in? How do I hire? How do I get prepared for that? What kind of protocols, training, things like that do I need? And then probably the doomsday one is, what if I can't open it all this season and I have to wait till next year? Uh, there are doomsday ones that are a little bit worse than that. We're not gonna talk about those. Um, but if we have to wait till next year, what does that look like? 
uh, for us and for our businesses, uh, our operations, staffing. Um, I read somewhere uh, as well that we are in the entertainment business, which is not one of the core essentials to life. And how soon are people gonna come back for entertainment, uh, especially in light of potential risk of contracting something like this if it's not well taken care of. So that's another thing that we kind of have to plan for is that uh, they're seeing this in Germany where shops have opened, but people are not flocking back to the stores. Uh, people are being very conservative with their uh, finances right now. Uh, we're seeing that in the U.S. with the record unemployment numbers, and not everybody is uh, being able to, to sit in a nice home office and be on a Zoom call. A lot of people are struggling just to put the next um, bit of food on their plate. So those are things that we have to kind of take into consideration as we look on moving forward, being ready for multiple scenarios. Um, It'd be great if May 1st we could all open and it'd be business as usual. I really don't see that happening because it's not that far away. But making a plan and many plans for that. Something else that we were discussing earlier too is cleaning protocols. You know, it's one thing to be able to take a Clorox wipe and just wipe down various things. But as we're seeing throughout various manufacturers who may not have had time to test different things, there was a big discussion recently about being able to steam clean certain gear. Uh, but that's not been tested to see if it degrades materials or anything like that. And that testing won't be able to happen until the manufacturers themselves can get back to work. So there's a lot of variables that we have to, to look at there. Um, just the availability of cleaning supplies as well. If you get to Costco on a good day, you might be able to get some Clorox wipes and some bleach. And, um, the last time I was able to find uh, nitrile gloves was in the painting department at Walmart. Uh, they just happened to have some that they had gotten in the day before. Uh, so those things, when we look to reopen, how do we get supply of those? Because we are not on the top of the food chain for getting PPE equipment and cleaning supplies. We're pretty close to the bottom. So that's a consideration also that we need to plan for. Um, that kind of brings us to the, the safety component. Steph had a few words yeah. to say about safety. And, So what's interesting about this is almost safety, but almost rethinking the our service model to be one that's less focused, will still be just as focused on service as we've always been, but that's just going to look really different because people's priority, I mean, anybody who's been to the grocery store will know that people's priorities in terms of what they value for service has shifted much more towards conscientiousness around how are we cleaning, how are we preventing the spread, how are we managing social distancing. So anything that we can do, we're not going to be able to have, if we're wearing masks, we're not going to be able to have the same facial expressions that we used to have. We're not necessarily going to be able to have those same kind of touch points. So how do we still help with that perception? How do we still create those kind of those nice touches and those wow moments in other ways? I think probably our best model that we have to look at right now is the restaurant industry. So uh, like many of you probably, we go out once or twice a week, we do food pickup at a local restaurant in our area. And one of the places that really blew me away right after everything kind of started to shut down was there's a sushi spot that's a couple miles down the road and everything was, was seamless from start to finish. I called them, they took my order, they processed the credit card on the phone, they gave me really clear instructions. Here's where you go, here's the tray. We're going to pick up your food. I got there. I called. They let me know the order was ready. I marched right up to my tray. There's a little wet wipe stapled on the outside. There's a note on the door saying, please, we prefer you not come in. Here's the reason why. Smiley face. And then here's some 
paper towels to take if you do need to open the door for some reason, if you're a delivery person or something like that. Everything just felt so seamless and I felt so taken care of. And I think that's the model that we're going to need to look at when we start to reopen is how do we make people feel like they're being as taken care of as they were before so that they feel comfortable showing up and so that they have that same kind of positive experience that they've always had with some of those different values and different perceptions now. Yeah. Definitely. Something that we uh, have been looking to as well, and I'm sure many people, API sent this out, um, the uh, Italian document from uh, on how they're planning on opening. I got an excited call last night from a client who said, did you see, did you see Italy is opening? I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. You, you just read the headline. So <laughs> it's really, it's, here's a plan on how they're thinking about opening up. So um, I actually like to turn to John Me real quick. I know you've got some insight on Italy and France and some of the different things that they're looking at doing. Can you provide some insight for, for what our international friends are doing? Uh, yes. So a few weeks ago, I received a, a document uh, writing by the Italian about uh, a new protocol to, uh, to accept uh, and to, uh, to find a solution for, to, uh, for the reopening. And it was uh, writing in Italian. <laughs> and recently, a uh, um, few days ago, I received the same version in English. And I took the freedom to, uh, to send to uh, the magazine because I think uh, it can be useful to, uh, to use this as a guideline and to try to do the best we can to, to, uh, to handle the problem. Uh, what I know, it's uh, in Europe, uh, everybody have a tendency to follow a little bit this Italian guideline because nobody else did something really uh, about it. And uh, uh, there is, of course, a lot of question about how to manage all of this because, because it's, uh, it's kind of heavy uh, if we want to follow everything. So, um, in terms of uh, cleaning process, uh, uh, the time consuming to be able to, to do all of this, uh, it's, uh, it's heavy also. So, there is a, they look for a different alternative to find a solution to make things faster. Uh, but there is a lot of hope in Europe because the fact it's an industry outdoor. We are... Uh, there is a, more flexibility in terms of uh, having people uh, respecting the distance and uh, and being able to uh, to handle all of this. So that's uh, what I know about what happened right now in, in Europe. But uh, things change very quickly. So we'll see what happens when it's time to open. Because in France, they they open on the eleven on the eleven. They want to uh, release uh, the the, yeah, the people, <clears throat> so that's why uh, I don't know how it's going to affect the adventure park, uh, but we'll see. Next, I'd actually like to to kind of transition into let's look at what we have to do for when we're recreating outside, and I'd like to turn to Dylan Burt with Quarry Park Adventures. Uh, he's got his toolbox ready behind him. He's ready to go. Um, Dylan, how are you guys looking at um, doing things like limiting group sizes, keeping people's perception of safety when they're out on the course? Can you give some insight as to what you're doing there? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with Stephanie and her comment that, you know, the more professional we can be, the more the guest is going to feel secure. Um, so, you know, a few things that we're doing, we're going to limit the group size. I think that's an obvious one. Um, we're also going to set up a sort of COVID threat level, um, much like you'd see in like a fire threat scale. Um, we'll post that on our website. We'll, we'll send that to people in emails uh, with their reservation. Um, but sort of informing people ahead of time and letting them know, you know, these are the things that we're doing in order to protect you. And we are going to require that those things are done. You know, the things that they're required to do, like for instance, bring a face mask, uh, stand six and a half feet away or stand six feet away from people. Um, and we will be posting signs in the park about that. Uh, and, you know, taking as many precautions to sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, awareness for those guests, I think is, is really my, my main point that I could drive home here, right? And then when they get to the park, uh, establishing a training with your staff so that, you know, the staff know exactly what they're doing. Um, so in like, for instance, what we're planning on doing level one would be like the most extreme type of, uh, you know, uh, response to COVID that, that we could see. Level three would be like the, the smallest response to COVID that we could have. And, you know, just like anybody, we're, we're watching the news. We're trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to be required to do in California. For instance, I think it's probably going to be the most extreme just because of what California is. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we are, um, we're keeping the system elastic in the sense that like, look, we could, we could change this on a dime if we needed to. Um, but offering some level of training for those staff to be able to give that level of professionalism, understand what, what people are uh, getting themselves into and being able to, um, you know, show that to them when they get on site. I think those, those are the, the three main points that I could drive home that, that we're planning on doing. I just want to piggyback on that for a second. Everything that you're doing sounds great. I love the idea about the signs specifically, having that clear information everywhere. I think people right now aren't just nervous about uh, contracting the disease, but I think people are nervous about how to be in public and just what to do. Where do I stand? What's okay? What's not okay? Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear the mask? So the more of that thinking we can do for them and the more we can provide that information for them up front, as we've always done with closed-toed shoes, with dress for all weather conditions, I think that's that kind of, that's, that stuff that makes a huge difference too, especially if we can get the staff up to speed. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I think I love your restaurant analogy. I've been to restaurants that I've, I've like honestly just thrown the food away because I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm going to get COVID if I eat that food, right? Um, and yeah. I've been to restaurants where I just feel super secure with everything that you're doing. And the thing that, that get, makes me feel super secure is just understanding what I'm getting into, staff professionalism, and them doing what they're saying, right? Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that we're focused on. Yeah. Next up, we want to talk to Michelle Candy from Anakista. Michelle, are you on the line? So, um, I, for we had the pleasure of of um, experiencing Anakista last September. We brought a big group of operators there. A fantastic, um, magical place. Um, but you have a lot to sort through because you 
Um, you have a, a telemix, which is a it's, a, it's a lift that's a gondola chairlift combination. Um, and, and then you have the overland vehicles to take groups of people up. So you, so already you have a close in quarters to get people up there and then you have great retail and you have great restaurant food, you know, and, and then you have your adventure activities. So you've got multiple environments to think through. Um, so take us a little bit through some of the thinking that you're going through, uh, to getting open. It's true, we're a large combination of many different types of uh, tourism elements that you'll find from the restaurant where we're certainly gonna look at 50% capacity to, to open up to the chandala. The chandala actually is a, a blessing for us in that it's not a large capacity tram. So we're able to put four people in a chair. We have 104 open air chairs and we have eight enclosed gondola cabins. Um, you know, we're kind of doing the reverse of what we did when we needed to close down. When we started to understand what was happening, we stopped putting people in cabins. Um, as we reopen, I think we're probably going to look at putting families only in cabins and getting our guests on the open-air chairs. Our uh, lift operators are all um, prepared to sanitize the armrest, the, the safety bar, as they, um, before each guest uh, travels onto the chairlift. Um, and I think what all of you have said so far is that, you know, one of the most important things is making sure the staff is very aware of what our processes are throughout the park um, so that everybody can address how it is we're keeping people safe. The overland vehicles, I, we're going to go ahead and do uh, limit the capacity on that as well. Um, for us, when we, because of course we're an outdoor park, as you all are, um, and we're at the top of a mountain, the only access off of the mountain is via the chandala. Um, if we get into a scenario where we have to get people off quickly because of weather, I mentioned today we're having very high winds in Tennessee, so today's a great example. Um, we actually have disposable face masks that we'll hand out to our guests if we need to put them into an enclosed space. Um, so, you know, we're really taking the precautions. I, I think our biggest visible concern that we have is our social distancing in terms of our queue lines. You've been to the park, you've seen that uh, the lines can get really pretty long whenever there's high demand. And so uh, we've actually had a little fun with this. We have a mascot that is uh, Sasquatch. Who's better at social distancing than Sasquatch, right? And um, so Sasquatch is our, our narrator or our host throughout the park who's talking about the six-foot distance rules and how to um, be safe in uh, the Anakista environment. Uh, in the state of Tennessee, uh, they've uh, created um, uh, an economic recovery group, an ERG board that many of the attractions and businesses are involved in. Um, and they are supposed to be coming to us with guidelines and protocols of how we are all supposed to open safely. So in this area, you know, and I would advise everybody that you stay very close in touch with your officials who are making these decisions, whether it's through the Chamber of Commerce or pick up the phone and call your legislators or your mayor and understand what they're going to expect of the businesses as the businesses reopen. Thanks, Michelle. And one last question. Are you going to require face masks or recommend or what are you going to do on the, the uh, 
We're not requiring it. Uh, we are very much an open air park. We have a total of 70 acres within the park. The majority of the park is located within probably about 10 acres. So, you know, that, that close proximity, we're not so worried about. Uh, we certainly have all of the hand sanitizers and wipes and safety protocols set up for our ticketing staff and our, our cashiers, but we are not requiring any kind of, of face mask. We are looking at limiting our group sizes for our zipline tours, um, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, wiping down our uh, coasters and um, spreading out the queue lines for our mountain coaster. Great. Thanks so much, Michelle, for sharing sure. that. Um, Jamie, uh, Jamie Barrow of Vail Resorts, you um, have several parks to think about and, and um, lots of different scenarios, you know, in terms of getting to the park where, you know, it might be lift served or parking lot, you know, entrance, um, but you have to think through ground school and the welcome centers and um, how are you, how, what are you thinking through in terms of um, whether you're going to open um, and how you're going to do it? So we've kind of built out a tiered approach, very similar to kind of what Scott described as the call uh, points. We are looking first at our legal team to review whatever stay-in-place orders or other social distancing uh, orders from the regional governments, whether that's uh, everything from state, county to city. Uh, we have actually those affecting all of our resorts to some level. And once we uh, get the clear from legal that we have even a legal right to operate, then we're starting to look at the contingency plans, whether what we open, how we open, and that. But the first, even before that contingency plan, uh, I'd recommend everyone go on and download a copy uh, OSHA has created back-to-work COVID guidelines, and um, you need to determine which staff are in which category from a mild risk to a high risk. And then you need to determine whether you're, like Paul said, whether we're going to be able to get the appropriate PPE for the level of risk that OSHA is doing, because that would be an OSHA violation for not outfitting your staff with the appropriate PPE. And so um, this is actually going to be a monumental task to actually get open. We are, um, if social distancing in place, it's gonna be very, very difficult for uh, even the recommendations for social distancing through CDC. Um, it'll be really hard to get adventure parks and zip tours open because of the standards that are going to be in place, um, harness checks, things of that nature are really difficult um, to do without that, without breaking that social distance. Even we're looking at uh, operating our coasters is really difficult. Um, there are certain safety checks. Uh, how do you perform a rescue with social distancing? I'm not. I haven't figured that one out yet. Um, and there is a number of court cases where um, so far it, it's more around uh, employees getting 
social distancing and uh, or employees catching COVID and whether there were comp claims or not work comp claims. Um, I know do know of about three active court cases of wrongful death against employers for COVID. So this is a really, we have to tread really lightly about opening um, and we have to really figure it out. Um, we've been looking into exactly what cleaning we can do or what we can't do, hand sanitization stations, whether that's soap and water, whether that's uh, uh, alcohol-based, whatever it might be, is that sufficient? Um, we're looking out to a lot of grocery stores as well. It sounds really funny, but you know, if if you go into three different grocery stores in your location, you've I've got in my location where they just provide the cleaning supplies and it's your responsibility to clean it yourself. I've got where they're following you around cleaning anything you touch. Um, and I've got ones where they won't even let you enter without a face mask. Um, they actually have a security personnel at the door monitoring it. So there's extreme variance in even how essential services are handling this. And I think it's going to be the same for the act uh, for the recreation industries. Um, we are um, also really providing that uh, what what appetite do we see for this activities and and what type of level of staffing we're going to do? Are we just going to use year round staff, uh, year round salaried staff? Are we going to hire? Uh, seasonal staff and train them. What are we going to do with that? So there is actually a big portion of this that trickles down to even the efficiency. Yes, we could clean every coaster cart as it comes around, right? Or we could clean every harness and let it sit for seven days per CDC recommendations. Um, but what does that do to throughput? What does that do to staffing? Is it really even financially feasible at those points to do this? So we've actually been building out scenarios, um, at different levels of scenarios for each of those, uh, starting with first the uh, employee safety and then going to the guest safety, safety. How do we keep the guests safe? And then the final is how do we make it financially feasible? And that's kind of our four tiers is and I skipped the first one, which was legal. Can we even legally open? You you have a tall order in front of you. <laughs> and how and many parks do you are you overseeing? Uh, right now, I think it's nineteen different state jurisdictions. Um, and do you see that it? You might get to a point where they'll oh, they'll be able to accommodate some form of open to some of your parks and not others it won't be a mandate it wouldn't be like the same thing applied to everybody all of your parks no because unfortunately we're dealing with so many different jurisdictions one right. just, you know georgia just announced uh, as many of you are aware that they were going to fully open everything on friday we yeah. don't have anything in georgia so i'm thankful but um that just shows the extreme nature of uh the discrepancy. Even if the state opens, I think this is a hard part. 
even if the state opens, the CDC recommendations are still in place. Mm. And there's enough legal precedent to say that if you're not following CDC recommendations, regardless of your state's mandate, you have a risk there, um, both to your employees and to your guests. And, you know, that I would hate to see anyone fall victim to um, to the, those legal ramifications of, of a court system because of the desire to open. And there is this interesting thing, Rick and I were diving into this yesterday of um, the, the liability of, of all this. Um, and we did, um, you know, because you, when you go to the grocery store, you are assuming some of the, you know, you're mitigating some of your own risk, but you're, you're wiping down your own grocery cart. You're keeping your, you're taking the risk on yourself. And I think, you know, we've had many conversations where this has been proposed that with the ongoing presence of COVID, there is no way, and it's, and the, the asymptomatic nature, you know, there's, there's no way to tell, to, to completely ensure the protection in your businesses from a, a, you know, from COVID because it's, you know, it's, it's, there's asymptomatic people all over the place. So we talked with some lawyers, Rick, are you on, can you just share what, what their thought was on this? There were two things. The first was in uh, regard to um, whether you owed people a refund for, for a, a visit that they weren't able to take. And the reasoning there was you're probably not, um, because this is sort of a force majeure situation where it's an act of God that interrupted your business and you're not really, you can't really be held liable for that. Um, the way the lawyer phrased it was that would be a really steep, um, challenge for a plaintiff to, to prove. Um, the, there was a, a second part of the, um, the consideration? Well, it would had to do with the, it would be very hard again to say, I, I caught COVID and it was traced back to your park. And I know that I, I got COVID there. And his feeling was that again, would be a very hard thing to, um, to move forward with because of the asymptomatic nature of COVID. And, and, um, but his, his bigger concern was we may at the end of the day be able to, you know, um, have you know have a, a ruling in in our favor, but the cost of all of these claims and the litigation could drown people. And so this lawyer's you know opinion was that that there may be a decision that comes down, you know, from the higher courts to say you know to to ease some of that liability risk, um, because it's it's too hard to uh, and it's too broad um, to we'd never open. We yeah, would never yeah. open. Yeah. Yeah, the, other, you're right. the other thing he said was very much along the lines of what Jamie was saying, which is that if you are following the CDC guidelines, um, it's, and you're doing everything that you can to protect someone in that sense, then again, a plaintiff's attorney would have a very high bar to, to reach to, to prove that you had been negligent. Yeah. But he said you'd run into trouble if you opened against what the recommendations were. Correct. You know, with, yeah, and, and I think that's where we're looking at because some of the recommendations make it almost near impossible 
on to open. And so that's really a challenge. Also talking as a company that was a hotspot, Vail, mm. you don't want to be in the news as being a hotspot. <laughs> and also you don't want, um, to be honest, it, it, it becomes a much easier case for them to have if you do become the hotspot in the state and they trace multiple COVID cases back to your facility, that then kind of negates the whole, um, whether they caught it there or not, because if, if multiple people come down with it from your guests, that's when you become known as the origin spot. Um, and that would be detrimental to you. Right. Thank you so much, Jamie. Great insights. And thank you for, for sharing. We're um, going to head into our um, second segment here, um, and it's to do with guest services. And traditionally, the human touch point between you and your guests, um, you know, that's, that's your guest services. But how do we redefine this now that social distancing will be a part of our lives for the foreseeable future? How do we welcome guests? How do we deliver what they're looking for in a safe and satisfactory manner? COVID safety is now um, becoming a, a service opportunity, an opportunity to differentiate yourselves, as Stephanie had mentioned. And your ability um, to show and tell your cleaning efforts will be a part of the guest experience. We had an operator on a, our huddle call for our other magazine um, who was talking about how his back of the, you know, back of the house cleaning crew, who've always been you know, a little bit invisible, he said, now they are going to be the clean team. He said, I'm getting them new uniforms. They're going to be um, very much front and center. And he said, I think it's not enough to just say you're doing things. He said, it's going to be seeing it done and smelling it. So he's even looking at, you know, filters that filter fresh smells. And, you know, and, and it, it, it's an interesting point that that is now part of the, the, the guest uh, service piece. And, and so how do you handle this key piece? Um, may end up separating the parks who survive and those that, that don't, as we heard in the restaurant example from Stephanie. So let's get to our guests in this segment. Um, the first up will be Nancy Hurd from Glenwood Caverns. Nancy uh, runs, again, a fantastic operation. I don't know if any of you have been there, but a um, ton of fun. Um, but you also have the, the uh, I, I, when I was there, it was a pulse gondola. I don't. I'm pretty sure you changed that over. But you you have to you have to take a lift up to your uh, park. You may have added some road transport there too. But you've got you know you've got your F and B. Um, you've got your attractions. You've got some indoor attractions, some outdoor attractions, um, welcome center. You've you've got a little bit of everything. A mountain coaster. Um, so where where are you guys? Uh, you and Steve, and looking at um, how you're going to get open. That's a great question. I think we're all in the same boat here. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I have to say, I really empathize and feel sorry for Jamie. Uh, you do have a tall task in front of you. Um, so let's see. So first of all, we don't know when we're going to reopen. Um, we are waiting for our governor to lift the, uh, he just lifted the stay at home order, but there's still a lot of other uh, restrictions in place. Plus, we don't want to be too aggressive and uh, one, cause a problem, right? With uh, um, having a re resurgence to the PR perspective. Um, we, even in that first week before uh, Vail started the uh, ski area closures, thanks Jamie, 
um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we were trying to stay open. You know, we're a business and we're, we were trying to stay open, but we were getting pushback from our, our uh, town people, residents saying that you are being irresponsible, not us specifically, just all of us being irresponsible by bringing COVID infected uh, tourists into our town and putting all of us at risk. So we're sensitive to not wanting to be too greedy. We're sensitive to not wanting to open too soon. And then we're, um, again, we want the, the PR perspective. So we're looking at uh, possibly a post Memorial Day opening. Um, if not, uh, there's some pressure actually from the, uh, the county uh, and the city for us to open even earlier, like on the 22nd. So nothing has been decided. We are working with all our partners, uh, hoteliers, restaurants, uh, city and county, and we're all, we have a little coalition so that we're all on the same page and um, so that we have a concerted effort. So nobody comes out of the gate and gets uh, victimized by the town. So we're going to have a kind of a cooperative opening, planned opening. The county is also requiring an application before we can reopen uh, and giving them a plan. I just learned that, matter of fact, while we were on the call, that they're going to require us to submit a plan of uh, what our operations are going to look like. Um, so to your point, all those issues, um, we're an outdoor park, yes, and we also have a unique situation where, uh, just like Anakista, they travel by gondola to get to the top of the mountain. We have put a new gondola in, which has high capacity, so we're going to allow guests to ride whatever their comfort level is. We're not going to force uh, we're not going to force people to get in a cabin outside of their social groups, their family groups. Um, we are going to limit capacity at the park to at least 50%. We're going to have a timed entry so that we phase people in and not cause a jam. We're going to require at the at the front gate. We're going to require um, people to pre-purchase so that we can limit the touch points with the cashiers. They will not sign receipts. We will probably put some sort of uh, plexiglass or barrier up with the uh, between cashiers. We will. Um, we're looking into some queuing options, virtual queuing. Obviously, we'll put uh, six foot markers out in the queue lines, but we will also uh, we're also looking at some queuing apps for our high volume uh, rides such as our Alpine Coaster. We also have a cave and uh, that's pretty close quarters. We have two caves. We're gonna close the smaller cave where we don't feel we could respect social distancing. The other cave we're gonna put um, on a limited capacity and keep groups uh, further apart. Normally they're guided tours, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna station uh, tour guides in four different locations and let the guests go through at their at their own speed and with their uh, respecting the distancing. We're gonna put uh, grab and go food in the restaurants and open up um, parts of the, uh, the outside eateries, which we typically wouldn't have open this time of year, but everything's gonna be grab and go for two reasons. Uh, guest perception in terms of, you know, whether the food is, uh, I don't know, it just looks safer when it's all packaged up and ready to go. Uh, the other part of that is uh, to move people more quickly through the through the queue lines so that we're not uh, stacking people up in close quarters. Sanitation stations, like everybody else, we've learned that we have to go to wall mounts instead of the bottles because they disappear. And if they don't disappear, our guests were filling their own containers. They were refilling their own containers. Interesting. Those are the same people that take the soap out of the showers at the hot springs. Um, <laughs> 
I'm almost done here. Uh, again, we're going to require pre-purchase. We don't have the pin pads, um, you know, where you can where they handle their own credit card, and we don't have those yet. We uh, our cashiers still have to swipe the card, so that's why we're going to require pre-purchase. We're going to have a, I think I already said timed entry, and we probably won't open laser tag and the haunted mind drop because we can't find a way to operate those in, in respect to social distancing. And then finally, um, concerts. We are big on concerts. We have 16 concerts, um, and they're every Saturday. But since a large event, we don't. We think that uh, large events like that probably are going to be frowned upon, if not, if not, not allowed. So we're we're kind of on the fence there about when we might start the uh, the on mountain concerts. Nancy. And our core right, value, no, no. one of our core values, one of our core values is adaptability. So we get a, an opportunity, as everybody said, in this changing uh, environment, as it changes daily, um, just to be adaptable. And I've learned a ton already from, mm -hmm. from what I've heard today. So thank you. Thanks, Nancy. A, a couple of follow-up questions. Um, masks, are you selling them? Are you requiring them for staff? Are you, anything on the mask front? Yeah, we are not going to require masks. Um, as somebody said on the on the uh, chat over here on the right, mm. you know that the mask, unless you have 100% compliance, you know the, the our understanding is that the mask keeps, uh, you know, you, by me wearing the mask, I'm protecting you. So if we don't get 100% compliance, uh, I, I think it's frivolous. So we are not going to require masks. And if a staff wants to wear one. No, no Absolutely. If it's, yeah. uh, we we are actually providing the masks and uh, and uh, any other PPE that they want, uh, gloves and masks, we're going to uh, supply to staff. Um, somebody mentioned uh, earlier, or I read it, was the whole perceived, um, you know, perceived versus actual. Um, you kind of what's the real perceived safety, and and what are we, and what's the real, you know, what's the PR presence that you're trying to? Uh, hey, we're doing all we can. Mm -hmm. uh, but how much of it is really real versus perceived? And, and what about guest education? How, you know, the Stephanie's example of the Japanese restaurant where it was such a safe, she felt well taken care of. And I think that's going to be the difference between customers coming to you or not is how well they feel you're, you're taking care of their, their safety. So what kind of guest education will you do pre-arrival or at arrival or um yeah, yep um we are going to do and i took some notes from the previous speakers already mm -hmm. but what i really like what i really highlighted was the the training is going to be critical and the professionalism of our staff it's like someone who runs a ride that, that seems scary if your ride operator is scared uh, that's probably not the right person to put on that ride so uh, we want to make sure that uh, I have highlighted that we really need to work on the training professionalism so that they have the confidence that they can instill the confidence or project that to our guests, right? Signage or information. So we'll do website. We have not formulated all of this yet. We're, mm -hmm. we're in process, but um, website information as well as signage. Anything we can do to ensure them, let them know the precautions we've taken, but I'm also going to make sure we remind them of their personal responsibility. I think somewhere in there, you know, if you're going to subject yourself to uh, the public, th there's a level of personal responsibility that comes with that as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hearing more of that, that because of the enormous challenge ahead of us, that there needs to be a shift in general to 
you know, people taking more of the, you know, the self-care and self-management and the risk on themselves. And, and uh, you know, we've become such a, a bubble-wrapped society. We may need to push back on that a little bit. So um, uh, we got uh, Bob and Osram uh, from, on, on the call as well from Outdoor Ventures, and we're curious to hear how, kind of what your response is, because you're operating, you're in Connecticut with me, where we're, we're in a state where they're already requiring, or, or some requiring except when they're not requiring masks to be worn outside the house, and you're located very close to New York City, that's, as, as we know, is the epicenter right now, and you have parks up and down the eastern seaboard, all of which are located in different states that are each under their own different ordinances. Uh, so what are you doing to, to get set up? Are you opening? Are you not opening? How are you educating yeah, so, your guests? Yeah, so one of the first things we're doing is, is actually trying to keep ahead of, on um, the state uh, and what their regulations are coming up. Um, so um, everything is changing um, all the time. Now we just heard that Tennessee, uh, we're going to be able to open up very quickly. Uh, and what it, um, that means actually next week. Uh, the problem is uh, that yes, can we open up, um, but then what the perception of the guests are going to be, just like Nancy said, are we going to feel like um, uh, that we're opening too quickly and is the local uh, population going to think that um, all we care about is opening up and making money. So um, we have to get the message out very, very carefully and uh, determine whether it's the right time to open as soon as they say that we can open. Um, so that's number one. Uh, and then um, number two is uh, we've been really trying to stay uh, in touch with our past customers and hopefully our future customers to be. Uh, and giving them a lot of information. And um, uh, we are telling them um, what we're going to be doing. So prior to them getting there, um, I think uh, Dylan mentioned signs uh, and so on at the park. We're actually giving that information out on uh, the e-blast we're, we're um, sending out to them. Um, somebody mentioned um, uh, the Italian Adventure Park Association information that was put out. I think that's a really good uh, document, uh, and I'm hoping that everybody's going to look at that. One thing that I felt that they uh, felt a little bit unsure about is um, what Jamie mentioned is what do we do with rescues? And I think it's not just about the rescue part, which is when you get very close to the customer, but also at um, the harness checking part. Those are the two times when you're getting really close to the customer. Um, and so one thing we're doing, and people are horrified when I mention this, is we're using full face shields. So this goes right on, and it's not something that we're going to be wearing or the, um, uh, our employees are gonna be wearing all the time. It's only during those times when you have to get very close to them. And, and really, so much of this has to do with the perception of, um, uh, of uh, not just the employees being protected, but also what the customers are feeling that we're doing. I think John Hines mentioned this last week, is that you really need to be very deliberate about how you do things. And, um, and Olivia said about the cleaning crew and how they're going to be really showing off with their new uniforms. Well, we're going to be showing off all the stuff that we do in order to 
uh, sterilize and in order to protect them as well as our employees. Because if they feel that we're taking care of our employees, they're also going to feel that they're going to be taken care of as well. Um, so I, we think that's really important. Um, now, uh, one thing that um, I don't think too many people are thinking about um, is, uh, okay, it's great to open, but remember that we have a, a pandemic out there and there could be contamination and it could be one of your employees uh, getting sick or one of your customers uh, calling you the next day and saying, hey, I didn't realize that um, I was sick, but I, but I am sick today and I was at the park yesterday. So you, um, one thing that's really important to have is a plan of what you're going to do if that happens. Um, and the chances of that happening is actually quite high. So make sure that you have the plan in place um, where you know exactly what you're going to do if an employee gets sick, are you going to close down right away? Are you going to uh, contact all your customers? Um, I mean, one of the things that uh, many people are talking about is following um, and determining who uh, your customers had come in contact with prior to getting there or your employees had contact with prior to getting there so that you can actually inform everybody that's, um, that's been in contact with them afterwards. Um, so uh, that plan, um, I think it's critical to uh, being able to open and um, and being prepared. And, and Bauman, to your point, they, um, we discussed this on a couple of other huddles that um, the there are other industries, the essential ones, that have already had to figure this out on the fly. So, um, you know, we talked about a grocery, large national grocery chain that uh, temperature, they have a whole process to temperature checking each of the staff as they come on. They have a, you know, a curtain, and if someone tests positive, they have a process for how to pull them off, you know, without causing, you know, a feeling that they're targeted. And they have a process for if someone does test positive, you know, what happened, like to your point, they thought through every step, they shut down, they have safe harbors come in, they spray clean, they open back up, they have thought it through so that it is minimally disruptive. <clears throat> but for sure, there is a process to handling those kinds of things. And I think you need to be clear about what you're going to be expecting of your customers as well. So uh, there's been conversation about masks, where we're going to uh, demand that all of our customers wear masks if they come uh, and they don't have one. Um, we will have some cloth uh, masks for sale uh, at half price. Um, you know, we want to provide those things. Um, we are trying to also be, you know, we can't just throw all of our environmental thinking out the door with all of this. Um, so there was a lot of talk about giving plastic gloves to everybody or, or uh, one-time use masks. And those are things that are going to uh, get thrown away. And, um, you know, we want to be conscious about that as well. Uh, and so if the customers know what to expect when they get to the park, uh, then I think that's half the battle. Agree. And I think, yeah, there's a, a communication piece in the what to expect. And if we're, if we're looking at everybody kind of taking collective responsibility, there's also a communi communication piece in terms of why we're doing something. And the more people, more people understand, this is true in any arena, but the more people understand the why before, behind why we're doing this, here's why we're requiring you to wear masks. Here's why we're sanitizing X, Y, and Z. Here's why we have these cool plastic covers over us. Uh, they're good, the more they're going to be bought into it and the less likely we'll be to get that pushback down the road. 
Well, and, and one example is brought up again on another huddle was Southwest Airlines. I think it was Southwest. And when the FAA restrictions, the new guidelines came in and they were very heavy and serious nature. And if you've ever been on a Southwest flight and how they take their safety and they've made it a part of their brand message and had, you know, it, it doesn't have to be heavy and ominous. They turned it into a little bit of a fun part of their brand. Um, and it's, you know, in the airlines, we're watching them as well. They, they've already are figuring out ways to integrate all of the safety messages, the cleaning, the in, in creative ways. So um, we definitely do not need to reinvent um, some, of, some of these questions that we have. The answers are out there because globally, every industry is trying to figure them out. So I encourage people to go look at hotels, grocery chains, uh, airlines, and you know, Disney for sure has got billions invested in how to figure out how to get open. So we, we don't have to come up with all the answers on our own. There'll be and like Olivia, this. I don't know if you um, heard, but Disney is thinking about taking the temperature of all their uh, customers coming into the park. Um, they haven't decided whether that's yeah. going to be so, but uh, yeah. there's a big question on what yeah. the customers are going to think, whether they're going to be thinking it's a little too much. Um, but remember just a few years ago, the bags weren't being checked and now everybody right. has their bags checked. So We're in, comfortable so. with that, yeah. Each, you know, we get used to, we adapt, we get used to things, we get used to taking our shoes off and three ounce bottles and we, we've adapted to a lot of things because of, a, you know, a crisis. So I, I think it, it just, as Stephanie pointed out, it's just, over communicating what we're doing is going to be a big piece of this. With um, the biggest virtual smile that you can. Yes. Uh, I would like to ask Scott Andrews from ACCT to jump in really quickly uh, regarding the messaging of safety language. So I've been thinking about this as we look at reopening. We've, we have language for PPE and we say we try to keep guests safe and we've always meant that's physical or emotional harm. And it seems to me we need some new language around this. And what we're trying to do is create a place that's virus transmission free. The safety is around virus transmission. We're not changing the fact that we don't want you to fall off a course. We're not putting that aside. We're adding something to the, the awareness we have um, for what we're trying to do with our guests and our staff. And I think, like Jamie said so carefully, it's can you take care of your staff first? Then can you bring guests in and letting them know these safety procedures are about you don't fall off something. This stuff's around how we deal with this new threat to our existence and our lifestyle. And, and we call it virus free, you know, a virus free environment or a virus transmission free environment is what we're working toward. So that's the language that we've been playing with. Thanks, Scott. Um, and it's a, a good transition to our, our final um, piece. You know, the, the topic's always very heavy and there's always more challenges and questions that we end with um, than, than answers. And that's just, you know, part of the process. Um, but one very important piece to all of this and to getting open is our staff. Um, and as we approach reopening dates, whenever they may be, the most important consideration um, really has to be your staff because they, you know, in, especially in our adventure park worlds and our summer operations, they can also um, make or break a, a customer's experience. So, um, and they've got some new skills they're gonna have to adapt to. And, and as well, they come to you with some, with some emotional baggage, having just been in this peculiar state of quarantine and probably some dilemmas at home that they've had to deal with. And um, so Paul Talner, um, can you leave us with some thoughts on um, 
this this piece. Thanks, Olivia. I really appreciate it. So, um, as you all are thinking about um, how you know the protection of your of your parks that you're working on and pivoting to whatever the new normal might look like in the future, in in a hopes of getting to profitability, those three P's really important: protect, pivot, and profit. There's a fourth one, people, that Olivia mentioned, and it's really important that that stays at the center of of what you're doing. Um, but you know, as Olivia mentioned, you know, your staff is really important to take care of them and always be mindful of how to ensure that um, you know they're they're on board fully in your team and protected. But you're the most important person on your staff, right? So you have to take care of yourself first and uh, as well. Um, with all this talk of airlines putting your own safety mask mask on first is important. So I've I've, I've put together a people recovery playbook that um, Sarah and Olivia can share around with you. But essentially the components are leader self-care. So you take care of yourself so that you have you can stay calm and consistent during this challenging time and and uh, leave enough reserves in your tank to go forward. Uh, you know, this is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Um, figuring out the um, in employee care so that they feel that their concerns are being heard. Uh, they, they, they're looking for stability and assurance from you, whatever that means, even if it's, I don't know the answer right now. And then third is um, effectively relaunching your team so that uh, they can adapt. We're all sort of, as I mentioned in, in other calls, you know, we're all doing this Apollo 11 routine every day, trying to figure out new things in new ways. So um, the way you uh, enable your teams to really um, adapt and, and be nimble is really important. So those are the three keys, but um, much more that I can share uh, in, in other sources if anybody's interested. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our special Adventure Park Insider Huddle. We will continue these weekly huddles for both Adventure Park Insider and Sam Magazine for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the industry, so if you would like to participate, or if you have questions or a topic you think we should cover, email huddle at adventureparkinsider.com or huddle at saminfo.com. In the meantime, check out our coronavirus update pages on both the SAM and API websites. If you'd like to download Paul Tallner's People Recovery Playbook, head to www.adventureparkinsider.com huddle. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeev, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.